For today's discussion, we are looking at the impact of COVID-19 for both brands and retailers and how they can prepare themselves for the post-COVID era. We have Paul Magel with us, who is the president of the Application Solutions Group at CGS. We've prepared a series of questions for today's interview. The first question, with all non-essential stores having shut down during the crisis, do you think this will force brands and retailers to rethink their digital strategy going forward? Hey, Tommy, thanks and good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon to everybody. Um, it's an interesting question around digital strategy and it's what everybody is talking about around e-commerce and where things are going. Um, but when I look at this event, you know, the pandemic and what it's doing to businesses, to me, it's less of an innovation event or rethinking of strategy and more of an acceleration event. And what I mean that is when you look at the digital strategies of our customers and you look at the, uh, the retailers and the wholesales in the marketplace, they've had a digital strategy. But that digital strategy extended over months and years and was, was much more of a long-term strategy as they move more and more of their business to e-commerce. And what this event has done is really accelerate that. I think it's really taken about three years of um, project work and accelerate that into uh, almost an immediate need in, in, a, uh, in a 12 month need. So to me, again, digital strategy is not really changing, but accelerating into an immediate need of what they need to do. Taking an e-commerce business, which is single digit or a small portion, non-material portion of their business, and trying to move that to a much more material portion to the business. You know, the things that were going on with omni-channel uh, are becoming much more critical to survival than more of a longer-term competitive advantage that customers were looking at. Yeah, and I know hindsight is 2020, but uh, what are some of the things that retailers and wholesalers could have done differently? I mean, for example, could they have prepared for better management of inventory maybe added new suppliers. And as you were talking before, just maybe purely just accelerating the need for digital solutions. Look, it's, uh, it's an interesting question, right? So because of the nature of this event, there was really no preparation for it. So I think, you know, it's, it's almost more of just being in the right place at the right time when something like this hit. So those companies who are in groceries or, or you know, had already had an accelerated Ecom only model, you know, and that's that was their business model from the beginning. They happened to benefit from what happened. Um, so I think it was less about preparation and being in the right place at the right time, or or not being in the wrong place at the uh, at the at the wrong time in terms of how you look at it. But obviously, because of retail stores and physical brick and mortar locations uh, being shut down, the inability for people to travel and meet, the digitization of the supply chain, and those who had embraced it early and push through it, we're in a much better place uh, for this to happen than, than um, those who haven't. And those who haven't, as I said earlier, was always part of their digital strategy going forward, but now that's gonna have to accelerate because I think no one wants to get caught short and again, as we start to see the economy and these stores opening up, I also believe that no one wants to go back to the way it was before. So you'll see a much further acceleration in the digitization and supply chain, everything from how they interact with the consumer to that, how they interact with their suppliers um, and you're seeing not only um, technology de being deployed from a communication and collaboration standpoint but also an efficiency standpoint i think many of the customers i speak to and, and folks in the industry and they look at the last couple of years that have gone well they also feel they've bloated their businesses and they've had processes that were inefficient that they live with 
that they no longer feel they can live with. So it's efficiency, and then it's communication and collaboration with their consumers and across the supply chain that's going to go forward. Yeah. Um, so at, at CGS, um, we recently uh, released a survey really on online sales. So we interviewed a thousand consumers. And what we found was during COVID, 69% of the consumers are buying today from uh, online marketplaces like Amazon. So if companies haven't done so already, will they embrace these channels more moving forward? Yeah, as we talked about, right? That uh, it really accelerates that move to e-commerce and that and the move going forward. And it goes across a couple of different things, right? So, you know, you look at some different markets, the grocery market, they've been trying to get people to buy online for a number of years and it's always been just a very small percentage. All of a sudden, uh, not only all of us um, who are used to working in, in technologies industry and buying things online and those, but people who've never thought they would buy online before have been forced to uh, because of what's happened. So different generations who, who didn't uh, really uh, embrace technology and embrace buying online are now were forced to and the finding out that these apps are good, that these companies have built it uh, so it's easy to use, easy to navigate, easy to understand. Um, and I think going forward, all of these companies, as I said earlier, are going to have a much more material aspect of their e-commerce channels as part of their business and to really try to shrink uh, the reliance on some of the brick and mortar. And again, accelerate that whole omni-channel, you know, single channel view of the world and have a really a strong mix between the, uh, the brick and mortar, the e-commerce uh, and, and their kind of wholesale and retail channel relationships. So that will, that will certainly uh, accelerate into the future. Yeah. So are there any particular retailers or brands that stood out to you as having a good plan to quickly pivot uh, during this crisis or not even pivot, maybe even thrive? Yeah, so again, you know, we talked about it earlier, right? So it was, it was kind of, um, again, I don't want to just say uh, the luck of the draw, but those companies who embraced early on digitization and supply chain, those companies who early on embraced uh, e-commerce as, as one of their major channels were in the right place to go forward. You know, companies like Walmart, companies like Amazon, Target, those who had actually a mix of fashion apparel, footwear and accessories, along with grocery. Those are the retailers that continued to, to really thrive because they had people coming into their stores. They were essential service. But as they came in the stores, they can go beyond just the grocery category and shop further. Uh, so by having that mixed uh, type use retail space really worked out, um, worked out well for them. Um, and again, from what I see, the companies who did well from a pivot standpoint, you know, less of a pivot, uh, of their channel strategies and how they went to market. And the companies that are surviving have really pivoted to the PPE marketplace, where they started to look at the needs coming from the government, from their constituents, from their retailers, and saw the need for masks, gowns, you know, uh, emergency equipment. Those manufacturers and those wholesalers who were able to pivot their business model and meet that demand um, did well uh, throughout this crisis. Those who just kind of sat back and waited for the traditional business to come back, you know, it's been slow coming and they've been less successful than those who've been able to really turn on a dime to their business model and meet what the demand was during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to go back to e-commerce too, because I think that's an interesting topic. 
Um, we both agree that uh, the shift to e-commerce has accelerated and grown. Yep. What do companies need to consider now that um, now that online and direct to consumer is a bigger part of their business, either from the supply chain side or maybe even the front end? Yeah, it's 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 a lot of considerations, right? So I think, you know, whether you're looking at retailers or traditional traditional wholesalers, um, I think what became very clear throughout this um, this crisis or pandemic is that the brand's relationship to the end consumer is key and critical. So I think some of the relationships got fractured between retailers and wholesalers and brands and retailers and even some of the brands and the supply chain customers um, or, or um, vendors. Um, but when we look on the front end to the consumer side, many of the brands now, especially with e-commerce, they need to expand and extend the relationship directly to the consumer. They can't outsource that relationship to the retailer and rely on the retailer to bring the consumer in and, and take all of this inventory that they bought and sell. It's now, you know, the brand's responsibility, the wholesaler responsibilities to really understand who their consumer is and start building relationships with those consumers and let them pull through that demand to whichever channel is most convenient for them uh, to work through and, and go forward on that. And the same thing when you look back into the supply chain, the relationship with your vendors and having visibility all the way down um, into the shop floor. Uh, so everything from the operator through the consumer visibility, and then also the speed in which they, which they work. I think also many people's eyes were open from a sourcing standpoint. We saw a lot of sourcing move out of China in the past. Uh, so I think some people felt they were insulated uh, if something like this happened with China or if China's you know, rates continued to go up or if there was political unrest in China. But I think what uh, really expanded some of the view of, of how much they have to continue to evolve their supply chain is how much inventory and raw materials for raw materials come out of China. So even though you've moved your sourcing out of China, you still couldn't function because you didn't have your, your raw materials going forward. Um, Customers want to buy now, where now, you know, so the days of large capital expense, securing and procuring early on large sourcing for their inventory um, is going to really be shrunk where people are going to want to have less cash outlay going forward because of what's gone on, want to be able to react, to react to market trends much faster. So I think you'll see an acceleration again, back to that acceleration word demand and manufacturing moving out of far reached places or from the, where the cheapest needle is to where they get the most efficient uh, return from a timeliness of delivery and responsiveness to consumer demand. Yeah, and earlier we were talking about, we're really at a stage right now where companies are coming out of the crisis. Mm -hmm. And you hit on a lot of good points. Um, so when we think about sort of this recovery stage, let's call it, um, what would you kind of recommend a brand or retailer as a next step? What should they think about? Um, what should they focus on? Look, a number of things, right? And I talked about a little bit earlier, we'll touch a little bit more on it is, is you know, certainly around the efficiencies with the, within the business itself. Um, you know, something I did internally was start a uh, task force called Lean and Meaningful, right? I thought it was a little more uh, appropriate than Lean and Mean. But you know, at the end of the day, what we want to do is make sure that we've got the most efficient operations to provide the most appropriate services to our customers, 
And again, that appropriateness relates to that meaningful term. You know, is what we're delivering to the customer meaningful in today's marketplace with today's needs? So if because of this crisis we've gone through, um, cash, is, cash is king and people are looking uh, for a quick return on investment and things, how do we look at the solutions that we provide and make sure they can kind of chunk them and get much quicker agile results and faster ROIs and larger longer term projects which people may have looked at uh, a little more favorably in the past. I think as they look forward, they're gonna want faster results, you know, smaller bites of the apple uh, to go forward and quicker, um, quicker uh, move to the benefits. Uh, so I think companies, one, have to do the same thing within their own organization. How do we become lean and meaningful to our customers? Who are our customers now? Are retailers still our customer or is it that ultimate consumer uh, because of the e-commerce move. Um, and the same thing, how are we as being customers to our supply chain uh, to make sure that we're getting the best that we can from our partners on the other side. Um, so it's make sure you have efficient um, operations that you continue to go forward in this new kind of uh, normal that uh, we'll see emerge from this. And then how do we build those relationships directly with our consumer to make sure we've got a very quick return back on feedback on what we're putting out in the marketplace and that we can use your term from earlier pivot quickly to the current demand so we can continue to be successful yeah and uh i think new normal is uh very closely tied to sort of this recovery stage right and yep. you hit on a few of the points um looking ahead what do you think the new normal is for fashion apparel and a retail market what does it look like and it can either be from the brand side or the consumer side. Yeah, that's a, that's a million dollar question. I think the whole world is trying to figure out is what this new normal um, is gonna look like. I think, um, you know, what's clear is the new normal is gonna be different from what normal used to be. I think as we talked about earlier, consumers have gotten used to um, buying differently, interacting with their brands differently, interacting you know, even within their own neighborhoods and within their own communities differently. So um, if that's happened, we know that we have to interact differently with the consumers, with our customers in terms of how we do things. Just look at the way we're, we're conducting this interview today. Normally we'd be sitting across from each other, you know, in an office having a conversation. We're now, you know, we're across uh, a couple of different counties uh, doing this digitally. It doesn't really matter where, where we belong. Same thing, you know, certainly in our business from a technology standpoint, our traditional path has been, you know, fill the, uh, fill the sky with planes, drop in consultants into our customers' locations and, and sit side by side and, and work on best practices with them, how to deploy technology, understanding the uh, challenges of their business. Um, we've over the last three, four months now doing that same way we're, we've, you've been doing that. Um, and as we look to our processes, how do we make this work for our customers and, and thankfully it's all gone relatively quickly. People have uh, picked it up very quickly. I think the technology now, thank God this didn't happen 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. I don't know how businesses would have survived, but uh, I've heard countless times how people said, it's amazing how productive we've been able to be not in front of our each other or not, not in our own offices. So you know, as you start to look to the new normal, you know, what will office space look like going forward? Will work from home or work from home and office in a combination become the norm? We're seeing companies like Facebook and Google 
saying you never have to come back to the office, not necessarily uh, come back in the short term. You know, what will that do to the commercial real estate market? How will you outfit offices going forward? How will you collaborate and manage a combination of those types of things? And I think that's across the board. How do you sell in a traditional profession that's all about relationships, face-to-face, you know, uh, you know, not to use a, a bad term, a derogatory term, you know, a backslapping salesperson type profession um, and moving that to where you don't have that physical contact to build those relationships. So how do you still have build value as a salesperson? How do you still, if you're in the fashion industry, allow customers to feel, smell, and, 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 and kind of taste that fashion and that fabric and that, that texture um, through whether it's 3D products, textile uh, type uh, simulation products, you know, B2B solutions to allow you to sell in a virtual showroom. Um, you know, that's going to be the new normal, you know, as we change these things and the way people work change, the way people shop change, how do we adapt our technology practices, our business processes and our business model to be able to thrive in, uh, in this new normal coming, coming at us. Yeah, those are really uh, great points. Um, so at CGS, uh, we have a, a flagship product called Blue Cherry, which is um, a end-to-end supply chain management platform, uh, starting from design and sourcing and planning all the way to fulfillment and sales. Yep. Uh, what are you hearing from uh, Blue Cherry customers and uh, what projects are underway to help them today and to prepare for the future? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. It's a number of things, right? And it kind of wraps up a lot of what we've been talking about, right? So if you look at the, kind of the front end, we have a product called Blue Cherry B2B, which is a virtual showroom, automated customer service, you know, cataloging, visual cataloging, sales acceleration tool. So we're seeing a very big spike in demand. Again, when you can't go to trade shows, you can't have your buyers come into your showroom. You can't, you know, walk down Sixth Avenue with a with a, a rack of um, samples. You've got to be able to sell digitally, and you need a tool that can, you know, really resonate with your clients, show your product in its best light, be merchandised in a way that they're used to seeing it, and they can they can really uh, experience how that garment is. So we're seeing a big spike in that. We talked earlier about kind of the growth of e-commerce and e-commerce channels and e-commerce platforms. So we're also seeing a spike in what we call connectors. And those are connections to the platforms, to the Amazon.coms, to the Walmart.coms, to companies like Channel Advisors, um, and, and whatever else may out, be out there. But as customers look to increase their e-commerce footprint, they're looking to connect to as many platforms as they can to get as, many visibil- as much visibility for their brands as they can see. So they're looking for fast and efficient ways to get in front of the consumer's eyes that are now you know, on a screen rather than looking into the eyes of uh, their salespeople or, or of the retailers um, going forward. And then we're also seeing an increase in uh, response and requests for our shop floor control and manufacturing systems. So again, as we talked about earlier, when you look back to your supply chain and you want to have better visibility, faster uh, access to inventory and samples and those types of things, how do we digitize all the way down the supply chain? How can we get to seeing what batch of goods or what garment is on the needle at that particular time so we can better forecast when it's going to hit the stores, when our consumers will have it? And what else can we do to bring things forward maybe into this hemisphere 
and, and kind of split the workload based on capacity planning and things. Um, and then kind of evolving all that and overlaying all that is a, a strong desire to do much more scientific planning um, around merchandise planning and forecasting around the business. So this thing kind of threw a wrench in the way people plan for the business, looking at last year's sales, forecasting what the new sales are going to be and trying to uh, forecast demands, but having a much more robust tool set with analytics and um, algorithms and what ifs based on kind of the demand changing almost on an hourly basis and a daily basis. So utilizing our planning tool, our merchandise planning tool, to have a much more scientific, robust planning approach to try to grab demand as it starts growing as we come out of this post-pandemic environment. Yeah. So the, uh, the last question for today, I guess, uh, it's really for the audience. Is there anything you would like to leave for the viewers today on sort of next steps, what to expect, tips, what to look out for? Yeah, look, you said, you know, the next question is for the audience. I was hoping they were going to answer a question for me <laughs> rather than me having to answer a question for them. But look, I think, um, I think from everything I've heard and, and you know, share it with the audience uh, as well who's watching this is that everyone I speak to is very optimistic about the future. Um, companies uh, are surviving and getting through this. Again, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, you know, the sectors um, that are having some tough times, you know, whether it's the, the restaurants and the movie theaters and the travel industries, um, you know, they're getting through it and the governments are doing a good job of, of, of trying to minimize the impact on there. But I think, you know, the message is really look inward. We all need to look in the mirror um, and say, you know, are we doing everything as efficiently and effectively as we can? Are we as lean as we can be? Are we as meaningful as we can be? As we kind of meet the demand of this of this new normal. Um, and again, we've got all have motivated workforces. We'll have a tremendous amount of talent with them. Make sure that we've got the right players on the field in the right positions more importantly that we're investing in the appropriate technologies as we go forward that will help accelerate that move into the new normal and i'll leave it at that for you today all right sounds good well paul thank you for joining us today and uh also thanks to the audience as well for uh watching and listening so i appreciate uh the time and i appreciate everybody's time for uh, for listening in all right thanks bye-bye